My daughter was working at that time at the front desk, and she said, Mom, they want you to do live Oprah Winfrey show, and she wants to get her eyebrows done live. Oprah Winfrey was the real influencers. And my daughter said, well, how about if she will not like her eyebrows? She's so strong and powerful and influential. How are we going to deal with that? It's like, mm, yeah, no, I think she will like it. I'm going to make sure her eyebrow is going to look amazing. I'm Carly Zakin. And I'm Danielle Weisberg. Welcome to 9 to 5-ish with The Skin. We've run into so many questions over the years and had so many moments where we needed advice. And we got it from women who'd been there. And that's what we're bringing you with this show. Each week, we're helping you get what you want out of your career by talking to the smartest leaders we know. Because we know your work life is a lot more than nine to five. All right, let's get into it. Hey, everyone. It's Danielle. Today, our guest is Anastasia Soiree. She is the CEO of the famous beauty brand, and I would say brand with a huge cult following, Anastasia Beverly Hills, which is now celebrating its 25th anniversary. Anastasia started the company from a one-room salon back in the 90s when the eyebrow style was pencil thin and pretty much an afterthought. Now things are very different and she has revolutionized the beauty industry and created a multi-billion dollar brand in the process. Anastasia, thank you for joining us. Welcome to 9 to 5-ish. Thank you so much for having me. So I have been a huge fan of Anastasia's for a very long time. We were connected through mutual kind of friends in the industry before the pandemic, never got to meet. And then I ran into you with like a real stalker vibe at a conference recently. So I am so excited to have you on the show. I'm amazed by how you started and and what you've built before we get into the conversation, we'd like to warm up with a lightning round. So quick questions, quick answers. You ready? Yes. First job you got paid for? Esthetician. Really? That was the yeah. very first job? Yes. That's incredible that like the very first job you got paid for is then something you turned into a billion dollar business. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Do you have any hobbies or skills? You have skills, but any hobbies? <laughs> hobbies? I mean, I like to work, like doing eyebrows, creating products. My work is my hobby. How many languages do you speak? Well, I speak Romanian, mm -hmm. English. I'm trying. I used to you speak English. I, I used <laughs> yeah. to speak uh, French and Italian, but I don't practice that much. When I'm back in France, for instance, mm -hmm. after a week, I like my French comes back or in Italy. When's the last time you negotiated for yourself? Every day. Yesterday. What is one makeup or beauty trend you want people to stop? Thin eyebrows. Yeah, I, I agree. What is your favorite Anastasia product? Everything. It's like you ask somebody, they have 10 kids and you say, which one is your favorite? Well, I love all my products, but Browiz probably is my absolute. Uh, if I would be to choose one product, this mm -hmm. would be Browiz. When did you feel like you made it? I'm still working on Who would play you in a movie? Hmm. The younger version probably would be 
like a feisty one. Tell me a, a feisty that takes no as an answer, an actress. Would Emma Roberts vibes or no? Uh, no, she's too soft. She's too kind, Emma. She's gorgeous. <laughs> I love her, but I was a I was a go getter. Not that she's not, but I think I was harsher. Mm-hmm. She. I remember, I lived in a communist regime. You to survive, you had to have a sword in your hand and go on. The older yeah. version, maybe I will have Sharon Stone um, play my character. I think that's a very good one. What? is your best beauty tip less is more Pl- play with the products before you use them and take 20 minutes in your day off practice okay i want to talk to what you just alluded to which is is growing up in a communist regime so you emigrated to the united states from romania in 1989 i want to talk about what life was like for you growing up talk to me a little bit about what your upbringing was like so I grew up in an incredible family, very loving. They were immigrants in Romania. My grandparents, my uncles, like for Easter dinner, we'll have 40 people at the table, immediate family. Very loving. They raise the kids like there's nothing they want to do and they cannot do. But after probably 70s, mid-70s, mm-hmm. The communist regime became unbearable. People didn't have food, no heating, very difficult, very tough environment to survive. And I wanted to leave the country, but it was very difficult for me to leave the country. We couldn't even go in Bulgaria. That was another communist country. If I look back in, in my life that I lived in Romania was the school system. Obviously, we didn't have any computers at that time, nothing. And we used to have incredible teachers. And probably half of the day we'll spend in school and half just studying, going to the library, reading, mm-hmm. or going to a sport. Or you had to always as a young kid in elementary and high school, you had to perform very well at school and you had to do a sport. I did gymnastic and then I went to art classes or you had to play a musical instrument. Obviously, that's something that I think gave me the support and the knowledge that probably I came here and I used it. Your mom had a tailoring business in Romania. What did you learn from watching her? I learned so much from my mother. She was an incredible businesswoman with no training because you are thrown in. My, my, my father, her husband died, which was my father, when I was 12. And she came to me and, and she said, look, we, we need to, to save the business because we have to survive and you need to help me. And I looked at her and I said, mom, I'm 12 years old. What do I know? I don't know anything about business. And she looked at me like, you are so smart. I will teach you everything and we could do it together. So I used to do my homework between sewing machines. And if she will go out and have meetings or buy fabrics or anything she needed, I will watch the workers. So that was one aspect of my learning. 
another aspect of what I learned from my mother was he was an incredible marketer because obviously we needed to survive. We didn't have food. So she would have as clients the wives of the head of the Communist Party, the people that are in charge of the meat, of the the chickens, the whatever. Do you understand not even eggs you could buy if you didn't know somebody there? She was able to do all of that with such a poise. And all those women loved her because she loved to make women beautiful. She loved to make women look their best. So we used to do makeover in the 70, when something like that didn't exist in Romania, but she would get her favorite hairstylist. My mother loved beauty, so she had the whole crew that took care of her, so she would share that with her clients. So she was very loved by all her clients, and I remember one day I asked her, Mom, you wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning, and until 12 when you go to bed, you work nonstop. Aren't you tired? All these women, they are so demanding. And she looked at me and she said, I love what I do. I enjoy every moment. Well, fast forward when I start working and my daughter later on worked with me, she asked me the same question. And I answered exactly the same. And I said, I hope one day you will have a daughter that will work with you and will ask you the same. And you give her this answer. We have to love what we do. What was the origin of Anastasia Beverly Hills? Specifically, I think we have an idea of you come here, you start working in the business. How did you wind up in Beverly Hills? So in Romania, I watched two movies. I mean, the communist regime censored everything. The TV, you couldn't see any foreign movie. But I had the VCR. And we had two movies that I watched over, I'm actually few others, but the ones that I watched nonstop was Beverly Hills Cup with Eddie Murphy and Pretty Woman. And I saw that shopping the Rodeo Drive and the Beverly Hills City Hall a million times. And in my mind, I convinced my husband to defect the ship in Italy. And I told him like, I want you to go to the American embassy. And the only city I want you to go is Los Angeles because my dream was to come to Beverly Hills. And was he like, that's crazy? Like we're going to New York or or we're going to, I don't know, like no. Minnesota. It, for me, coming here was like, you'll say, okay, let's go to the moon. This is exactly how it was for me or Mars. It was completely different than what I lived in Romania. Everything. Everything. So you come to L.A. What I find is so interesting about your story is how specific it is, right? You watch movies, you have this idea of making it in Los Angeles. So you decide, you know, it's not just I'm going to go to the U.S., I'm going to go to L.A., and I'm going to go to Beverly Hills. And it's not just I'm going to open a spa or I'm going to work in makeup. It's I specifically am going to do eyebrows. At the time, talk to me about how you how you thought about it and then also how you got someone to even lend you a space. So I came after three months. I got a job because my husband couldn't work. 
And I was lucky enough to meet this Romanian lady that was pregnant and she wanted to take three months off and she wanted to come back after. So she was afraid that they would replace her. So we made a deal and she said, I'm going to tell you exactly what to do. And when I come back, you have to leave. And I was happy to get that experience, three months experience. I started working there and I cannot even tell you that it was something like out of a movie because I, I, I barely spoke three words. And the good part was that aesthetician doesn't require the perfect English and you have to do a good job. And I was kind of surprised that nobody paid attention to eyebrows. And I went to the owner and I told her that, look, I learn in, in my classes, my art classes, that if you want to draw an emotion and you want to change an emotion when you draw a portrait, just change eyebrows is the most important feature on our face. And she looked at me like, well, your eyebrow is over tweezed. You look surprised. So I realized that I need to fix my own eyebrows. I started <laughs> going to the library and revisit everything that I learned about Leonardo da Vinci theory, golden ratio. So I start working on fixing my own eyebrows. Once I did that, I wanted to do that to other clients. I never charge at the beginning. And once I realized that it makes such a huge change, I went to the owner and I said, I think we should do this. And they definitely thought I cannot touch that. I should stick to facial and body waxing. And one Sunday, so my husband didn't work, okay? One Sunday, I opened the LA Times and I said, I'm going to rent a room in Beverly Hills in a salon. And he looked at me like, are you crazy? What do you mean you? I want to open my own business. And he said, you know, there are American people here. They were born here. They went to school here and they don't own their business. And you just came a year and a half ago and you want to open your own business. And I looked at him and I said, you know what? Do you know what? We sacrificed that much. We left our family, our home and everything because I want the American dream. I'm not going to sit here. I have to do something that my dream is so crazy that I would be afraid to, but I have to do it. Otherwise, we go back to Romania. So I rented the room, and from 92 to 96, I promoted my brand. I was doing more and more eyebrow and was almost became the best-kept secret in Hollywood. In 96, I decided to expand. So I rented a space in Beverly Hills. It took me like two hours to convince the landlord because he couldn't believe that I could pay a rent in Beverly Hills doing eyebrows. But I would not give up. I'm like, I never gave up. And were you nervous? You were like, no, I got this. I'm just going to do eyebrows in do Beverly what Hills. I always said to myself, what do I have to lose? What do I have to lose? This is what I told my husband. I would go and work as an esthetician in another salon, but I have to do it. I would be here in the salon from 8 o'clock to 12 o'clock at night, but I have to do it. Well, I thank you because as someone that could never pull off the thin eyebrows, finally my like 
grandfather style eyebrows came into style thanks to you. I very much appreciate that, as do I think most women. You're welcome. When I hear you talk about your story, I hear about it in a few different parts. One, there is just this grit that you have. And then there is the foresight into seeing something like an eyebrow being a new kind of classic, because it's not a trend. It's a classic part of feeling your best. And then the third part is when I hear you tell your story, you talk about it to me more than having a product, more than having a brand. It's a connection with a customer that you have grown over time. So when you think about people who want to start their own businesses, what kind of advice would you give them and how to think about their customers? The best advice I could give is just you need to learn everything about your customer, what they want, what they want, and they don't even know they want, and you could offer them, but needs to be genuine. If you think that you do this and you will fool your customer, you are totally wrong. The customer is very intelligent. You have to do it with love. I started this with, of course, I wanted to create a successful business, but that was not my priority. My first priority was to be the best in what I did, create the best product, shape the best eyebrows, master my craft, and then offer my client, everything that I knew and I wanted. My client trusted me, believed in me. If I will say, you need to buy this, she knew that this is what she needed. She didn't question me because I knew I would offer her what is the best for her. And not only I would offer that, but I wanted to teach her how to do it, to create the perfect version of herself. So everything was authentic with love, with so much love, because we all want that in life. And it doesn't matter what you create. I think it's important to do it because you love it and you love to offer that to your client. How did you continue to build the client list that you had? Because you had a lot of people who discovered you and came in, but you also have an incredibly you know, high-end client list as well. So how did you think about getting that variety of clientele? So remember, I started in 1992. Cover of magazines were supermodels. They were not the actresses or famous people. I used to do their agent, their managers. I didn't know who they were. The most important thing for me was to really create that best eyebrows on anyone. So their manager and agent will send me the supermodel. They will send their mother, their best friend, their everyone. It was the same thing with the celebrity. Everyone wanted to send somebody that they knew or their clients or anyone to create that perfect look on their client. And then they will send somebody else. So not only was important to work with those celebrity that validated my work, but what was very important to me was to understand they are people that they work with the best in the industry, the best makeup artists, the best hairstylists. They know the moment you hold a pencil in your hand, 
they know that you master your craft. It's very important. People think that celebrity arc difficult, like, no, they are not difficult. They know exactly what they do. And they know if you are good or not. Tell us about the Oprah moment. That was my Oscar moment. (laughs) So (laughs) in 98, when we got that call at the salon at the front desk, I was working with a lot of celebrity. Jennifer Lopez was my client. I had a, a, a big number of celebrity clients. And she called the front desk. My daughter was working at that time at the front desk. And she said, Mom, they want you to do live Oprah Winfrey show. And she wants to get her eyebrows done live. I was like, okay, that's great. And she said, but you know, she doesn't like to get her eyebrows done because she thinks it's painful. She said that live on her show. I mean, Oprah Winfrey, let's talk about that. Oprah Winfrey was the real influencer. Everything Oprah said was a law. It became a law the next day. And my daughter said, well, how about if she will not like her eyebrows? She's so strong and powerful and influential. How are we going to deal with that? It's like, mm, yeah, no, I think she will like it. I- I'm going to make <laughs> sure her eyebrow is going to look amazing. I looked at her eyebrows. Of course, I study her eyebrows. So I show up at the show and live. I'm thinking, oh, this was really serious because I thought they would tape and then I would be on the show and they could cut I have to say that at the beginning, I could see that she was a little nervous, but the moment I looked and I said, Oprah, please allowed me, I'm the best in what I do, allowed me to shape your eyebrows. And I promise you, it's not going to be painful and it's going to look amazing, your eyebrows. The moment I said that, she just relaxed. In a few minutes, I did her eyebrow, wax it, tweeze it. And she said to me, did you use a numbing cream or something? I no, 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 no. It's just greatness. Telling this story, I love how you're like, oh, no, Oprah, please let me make you comfortable on your show versus like (laughs) you going on the biggest platform of the time. And you had no qualms about being like, yeah, no, she'll look great. It's not going to be an issue. How do you keep up that confidence? But that's the confidence. This is mastering your craft. Once you are mastering that craft, nothing will take that away from you. Trust me. Your daughter is the president of your business. Yes. What has that been like? It's amazing working with my daughter. I mean, at the beginning, of course, she was so young. And I fired her like after a month. Because I wanted what did she to teach start her. as? Oh, at the front desk. Yes. Now, I wanted her to learn the business the way I did it. You need to learn to understand every step of the way. There are no cut corners. You can't take the elevator. You have to use the steps to learn the business. And I have to say, she's starting working with me. It wasn't easy for her. But my daughter, after that many years, she is one of the hardest working person that I know. She is the most passionate about what she does, and she is so smart. 
She understands the consumer. And I think working in the salon, this is what teaches us, teach me and my daughter that customer is the most important and we need to understand her or him. They need to get the best from us because we are professional and we want to create the best product for them and service as well. Was she mad at you when you fired her? Of course. I'm sure she was. She went and she worked for an insurance company. And after two months, she came back and she said, Mom, I need to borrow some money. I don't have enough to pay my rent because after taxes, I don't have enough money. I'm like, well, I'm sorry. You have many advantages. When I came here, I didn't speak the language and um, I still made it. You went to school here. You better go and get another job. But I I really wanted to get her back because she was so smart. But I wanted her to understand that it's much more difficult. It's not that easy. And she waited for another hour there. I did a few other clients. And then finally I said, look, I'm not going to give you money, but I could give you another chance because you were very good in what you did if you want to come back, but we need to set some rules. You could never be late. You should do this. I will be harder on you than all the other employees because I will set an example. And she agreed, and that's it. Anastasia Beverly Hills is 25 years old now. You sold a minority stake in your business a few years ago. You did very, very well, the company did, with that sale. I know you and your daughter continue to work and promote the brand and have grown it even more since the sale. What else do you want to do? Is it more products? Is it talking about your journey? What at this point is the challenge for you? We love what we do. We work so hard because we are so passionate about this. And of course, there are products, new products all the time. Again, we listen to our customers. It's very satisfying for us when we create a new product and customers love it. I mean, we leave for those comments like, I can't leave without this product. And that's it. I feel like my work and my daughter's work was accomplished and was, our goal was accomplished because we want to offer the best of the best. So, of course, innovation is important for us. Then expanding to many countries, many stores, and widen the the product line. The sky is the limit with our product. We have the customer and they trust us. And I think that's very important for us. Two final questions. Mm -hmm. We have a listener question from Rosie who wants to know, how were you protecting your ideas and solidifying your first mover advantage as you scaled? When I started in, so I started doing in 92, by 96, 97, 98, we had all over the mostly print magazines and TV. I used to do everything. I mean, like I was taking interviews left and right because I wanted to create awareness about my products. By 2000, I think a lot of people start copying that. And I will start sending this and this is letter. I had this trademark lawyer. Like, what do you mean you copied what I did? It made me so angry. 
So this trademark lawyer, who was older man, said to me, no, you get angry and it's not fair for you because people are copying you. But the best advice I could give you is just focus on your brand, put all your energy in that and end up when people, when you say your name, people will think of eyebrows. And this is exactly what I did. I focus on my brand. Final question. Who's someone else we should have on the show? Oh my God, there are so many incredible entrepreneurs. My next phase is right now talking about young entrepreneurs and helping them and guiding them, give them the blueprint. And because I've done so many mistakes, I'm hoping that I will tell my story. They will find two things. One, how lucky they are to live in this country and the opportunity that this country will offer. And two, never give up and work and don't do the same mistakes I did. So I think you should try my friend Lori Harvey. We will follow up with you and maybe ask you to connect us. I will connect you. Yes, she's great. Anastasia, I have followed your story and really been amazed by not only what you've created, but how you've created it from the beginning. And thank you very much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much. I wish you all the luck. Thanks for listening to this episode of 9 to 5-ish with The Skim. A new episode will be in your feed again next Wednesday. And if you want to keep up with us in between episodes, follow us on Instagram at Carly and Danielle. It's a really good account, I promise. <laughs>